All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the Doctor Amongst Men, Duncan Joyce. How's things, Duncan? Pleasure to be back, Lee. You caught me at just the right time, because uh, as of recording, next Monday I'm due to start a coding boot camp. A coding boot camp? Do tell me about that. Yeah. I've uh, just been offered an apprenticeship with Waters as a software developer, and uh, it's in partnership with this firm called Manchester Digital, who do all the training beforehand, and I've got four weeks of that coming up. Oh, you're going to be a busy boy then. Yeah, I am indeed. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, very good. I'm about to start a new job in two weeks' time, travelling around, managing a bunch of optometry practices, so that's going to keep me busy, but football season has just ended, so it's hopefully going to balance out nicely and life will just be as hectic as it's always been. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, can't wait. How's things been on the wrestling side of things? You've been watching much or you caught any live shows recently? Uh, nothing live, just bought tickets to go and see Eve, who are going to do their first Manchester show in October, which I'm really excited about. Very nice. Nothing nothing coming up in my future that I, that I know of, although I did see um, somewhere on the web the other day that Jake the Snake is bringing his live tour to Australia early next year, so I'm going to try and wrangle my brother along to watch that with me. Wow, cool. Yeah, I thought so. We did Mick Foley's last year, and as long as they're spaced out well enough, he'll normally come along with me. I think we did Mick Foley and Bruce Pritchard last year. We didn't do Eric Bischoff because I had a football game on that day, sadly. Ah, oh, okay. Cassius Ono tweeted 21, either today or yesterday, and I think it's because he's been wrestling for 21 years, but I could only think of that Jake promo. Oh, which Jake? Oh, the um, the one on AEW. You want to play 21? <laughs> the one where he's smoking. Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. Speaking of um, alternatives to the WWE, that is why we're here once again. It's a bit of a sad day today, Duncan, because we're about to hit the end of the road. You could say, the end is near. I was thinking more, oh, we come to the end of the road. Oh, absolute banger. That's on my work playlist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are on the end of the road, definitely. It's raw and impact for the very last time. And a little tear went down my eye because I was really enjoying this. Um, it's the <laughs> 3rd of May, 2010. And it's a day that TNA throw in the towel and go, fuck it, due to popular man, we're going back to Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it when we hit the show, but yeah, literally, it's like, oh, we're, we, uh, we're quitting, we're quitting, yeah, we, we're right off the blocks. Fucking Helen Hart throwing the towel in while they lay on the floor unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Owen's there in the background, woo, I did it! <laughs> oh my god, so bad. <laughs> but I am, um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I guess like this is probably... I wouldn't be shocked if you feel opposite to me because we've had a bit of a pattern of this lately, but I really enjoyed this um, little head-to-head. I th- just think it's a lot more even than people thought it did, w- I thought it was. 
I have been pleasantly surprised by certain aspects, definitely. I've been constantly entertained by TNA, I will say that, even when they've bollocks things up. But um, the core of the show that was previous to the Hogan regime was a lot more intact than... I think I remember it being at the time, but yeah, this has definitely brought back a whole bunch of great memories for me. Um, we'll probably get into that in depth at some later stage. Well, I guess now's as good a time as any to start having a look at the show and give everyone our thoughts on both of them. Which one did you watch first? I watched Raw first. As did I, because I find it a lot easier to watch on the network, as you no doubt know, because <laughs> I'm constantly pestering you for links otherwise. So should we go over and have a look at what Monday Night Raw served up to bat away its competition? Yeah, let's check it out. We belong together And you know that I'm and the edge turn on Randy Orton. And we're told the most controversial talk show in WWE history, The Cutting Edge, is coming back, where, of course, Randy Orton will be his guest. I um, don't really remember The Cutting Edge as being some awesome, talked-about, you know, fantastic show. They hyped it up really big time during this. I made a note of King saying that exact quote as well. It's all because uh, that was the segment where... Edge and Lita did the live sex celebration and Raw got a, like a huge leap in viewership for that show. Oh, I didn't... That's literally the only incident that's linked to it that's of any sort of consequence. That makes a little bit more sense. I didn't realise that was actually on the cutting edge. I, I believe so, yeah. Um, um, or, you know, it's just the fact that it's associated with Edge and being in that gimmick. Fair enough. But, well, that makes so. a little bit more sense. But yeah, um, it is what it is. Mm. Uh, in that opening recap of last week's main event, I don't know whether it's just because it had some filter on it as opposed to last week, but I noticed this time around that Orton seemed to frown so hard after Edge turned on him that I thought he was bleeding between his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, he's got that sourpuss on well and truly. <laughs> <laughs> um, little slight production note here. I don't know... 
I really shouldn't be surprised at this, but all of the prominent new draft picks are in the Raw opening titles already. Yeah, I did notice that. That was a good touch, actually. You've got to give them credit for having that ready to rock straight away. That was really nice. Speaking of uh, competition, by the way, where is Raw taking place? Oh, I actually didn't write this one down for some reason today. Ah, it's from Jacksonville, Florida. Ah, they're heading into your own backyard. I wonder if they've got a tank. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would be way too cutting edge for this day and age. (laughs) Cutting edge, I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) We start the show actually with Batista coming out to have a bit of a moan about um, John Cena and the last man standing match. And he basically said what I said on the show, that that was a crappy way to win and a shitty ending to a pay-per-view main event. (laughs) Well, one fan in the audience is... Less than sympathetic to Batista, who yells out, Don't cry about it! <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, and we're told... Cole... He- uh, Go on. Well, Cole is of naturally the opposite opinion of yours and mine about this finish. He called it one of the most ingenious strategies I have ever seen employed. <laughs> he would do, wouldn't he? Of course. I actually made a note here saying Batista bitching about the last man standing main event. He'd be a perfect guest for this show. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, he even goes on to say at one point, that's something Hornswoggle would do. Yeah, so true. <laughs> and that uh, made me notice a couple of signs in the crowd that are Seamus related. Seamus is my dog's name. <laughs> Poor dog. Random. And Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle is Shamus's dad. Oof. That's a weird. That's just weird on many levels. <laughs> Such a strange family tree that would be. <laughs> yeah, from Mister McMahon to Finley to Seamus to Hornswoggle to the the dog. <laughs> I don't know what, what goes where. Um, <laughs> Batista tells us that he and John Cena are going to have a bit of a beat the clock challenge tonight. Um, Batista will be facing the Miz, and the winner of the beat the clock challenge gets to uh, name the stipulation for the over the limit pay per view title rematch. So that should be interesting. Hopefully, it's not last man standing again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this brings out Seamus, who comes out and challenges Batista and basically says, if I win, I want to be included in the title match or want your title match. And Batista, like the smartest man on the show, rightfully tells him to fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think on the opposite end of the scale, Seamus is probably the stupidest man on the show, bragging about, oh, he did something Batista could never do. I took out Triple H! And I'm just thinking, were you asleep during 2005 or something? Yeah, I think I counted Batista pay-per-view victories three, Sheamus zero. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, I just thought, you idiot. (laughs) And um, this gets the respect it deserves because we finish the segment and go to a commercial with Sheamus getting nowhere fast, storming off saying, this is not the last you've heard of this. I'm, I'm sure it's not. When we come back, the Miz comes out in street clothes with a doctor's note saying that he can't wrestle and brings over his NXT rookie, Daniel Bryan, to take over the spot. Fucking marking out over this. It's a literal doctor's note, by the way. It's just a piece of paper with doctor's note written on it. (laughs) Oh, man. And Bryan comes out and rather uh, confidently tells everyone that he's going to make Batista tap out. And then to start the match, immediately hits a drop toe hold and locks him into an ankle lock, which was a really cool opening to the match, I thought. Very good, yeah. 
Batista then powders. Brian locks in a sleeper when he comes back. No good. Excuse me. Batista hits a big boot for a two and a backdrop and then escapes out of a choke and a crossface by getting the ropes before finally nailing Brian with the Batista bomb for the one, two, three at five minutes and six seconds and then gives him two more Batista bombs just to be a prick. This was super, super fun. I was really looking forward to this and I can't remember if I genuinely remembered that this would be a part of our timeline or if it was just me seeing the thumbnail for the show. When we're checking, when do, when do they actually throw in the towel, old TNA? But yeah, oh my goodness. Batista gave Brian some really, really good hope spots all around his submissions. And Brian did great bumping for him in return. I just love that Dave was so giving like this in spite of his own personal feelings towards, you know, size in the wrestling industry. Dave, he knew he was on his way out here and he just wanted to be helpful. I actually really enjoyed this. Um, And one of my favourite quotes for the show is I just wish they had a few minutes longer. (laughs) From there, though, we go into John Cena. uh, Sorry, we get told John Cena is going to be facing Jericho for his Beat the Clock Challenge. And then we go backstage to Eve and Wayne Brady. And I just cringe and think, no, 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 I was only joking. Please do not choke a bitch. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, before we got into seeing what was going on, they show the graphic for Edge's Cutting Edge segment, and it was while Eve's music was playing. I'm like, what? What's going on? Oh, yeah, they flick that graphic up several times through the show. They hype it up like something crazy during this show. Mm. Did you know, by the way, WWE offers all US military free tickets to live events? I do now. <laughs> Oh, they're um they're they're good at these um blowing their own horn little graphics recently, aren't they? They're really really sticking it up. There's a, there's another one later on, I believe, as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. We're I can't believe we've not hit stand up for WWE yet. Do you remember that? Old I do not. It's basically when Linda was running for Senate, either the first or the second time, and the press were all outraged of it and uh, pointing out all of the discretions that happened on WWE TV as a reason for her being an unsuitable candidate as opposed to, you know, her actual business qualities. And so Vince is like, oh, try to basically rally all of the WWE fans to say, no, that's bullshit. Kind of fair enough, I guess. Like, I I don't think... um... Looking at the, the product of your husband's TV show is really a fair political move, but that's what it is. I mean, she wasn't mm, exactly innocent in all this, but still. Yeah, I mean, she did kick him in the balls at a WrestleMania once. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even even Wayne Brady um actually a, a bit sickly sweet to each other here, and Maurice comes in and makes it a bit more wrestling-like when she nails Eve and gets picks up a belt and sort of poses over her prone body, which will come in to play later on. Mm, yeah, I- What's that? Eve just turned around and her title went missing, and then blam! Marie hit her with it. We then go to um, Edge backstage with an assistant telling him about how he can't show the graphic stuff that he used to, and, you know, it's, it's a bit repetitive, but I'll, I'll splice a little bit in here of Edge basically harking back to the good old days while telling everyone he can't do any of that anymore. Josh Matthews interrupts, though, and assures him that it's PG now, um, but Edge says we're live, so we'll see what happens. Um, I have a feeling they're just teasing something they're not going to deliver on. What do you think, Dunk? 
Same, really. And I don't get why... Uh, I can't remember exactly what the production guy was telling him about, but I think Edge was just requesting stuff from last week, and the producer's like, oh, no, can't do this anymore. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's it come across really ridiculous. Remember when I, when I first won the WWE Championship? Mm-hmm. Remember that, that celebration yeah. I had? Yeah. I want to use that. I want to use the best parts. Parts that, that made people's jaws drop. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to use that. All right, well, uh, my TLC matches, parts where I make people cringe, where I drive bodies through tables, where I put people out of commission, that's what I want to use. I yeah. use that stuff, too. I mean, I'll have to check, but I don't, I, just, I don't know if we're going to be able to use that either. Excuse me, Edge. Edge, later tonight, Randy Orton will be your guest on The Cutting Edge. Now, last week, you essentially cost Randy Orton an opportunity at becoming the WWE Champion, so do you think that tonight, Randy Orton will have any physical retribution in mind? You know, Josh, everything we do now is PG. Well, I'm rated R. So I'm not going to have you or some tool shed production assistant tell me what I can or can't do, that I can't use some of my old stuff on this show. This is live television. So when I walk out of that curtain, I'll do what I want when I want to do it. It's time to start an era of controversy here again. I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to start tonight with my guest, Randy Orton. We'll just have to see what Randy has to uh, say. From there, we actually go into our next matchup, which is Ted DiBiase taking on John Morrison. Ted cuts out, sorry, comes out and cuts a promo on Truth to start with, and Cole tells us that the two brightest young stars, of course, they're both gone. And I think this is something we talked about on the last show about how every promising star from recent years has ended up leaving pretty quickly. Is that right, Duncan? Was it the last show we were talking about that? Uh. I think we kind of talked about your prejudices towards them because it's just like a blank space for you. It's like, what did they amount to? <laughs> um, when when did Teddy leave? Probably like within two years of this show. Morrison stuck around a wee bit, a wee while longer, like maybe another three years and he'd be gone. But um, yeah, I mean, Morrison's obviously a, a success story in wrestling still to this day, but not the big... WWE made star. Yeah, and they really hyped him up. I think people were expecting. They really hyped him up as that kind of star in this match here as well. Mm, yeah. Incidentally, uh, he did the right thing on his last episode of SmackDown just before this, and he lost to Cody Rhodes, Teddy's former legacy tag partner. Very interesting. Um, yeah, so Ted's giving out about Truth rejecting his deal, and he's talking about. What's he going to do when he's done wrestling? Like, well, I don't know. Maybe he could be 24-7 champion forever. <laughs> yeah, and they we get off to a really quick start in this match. It's quite good early on. Uh, Morrison hits an elbow and a somersault springboard plancher to the outside, which was really cool. And then Ted DiBiase basically just goes, nah, fuck this, and accepts a count-out loss, um, which John Morrison is not impressed with. Um, he wants a restart. Ted teases like he's going to come back, but doesn't, and walks off. And then Morrison, in, in um, the antithesis of Batista's intelligence early on, decides to offer up his own services and will be Ted's Virgil if he loses this rematch that has nothing else on the line. I was going to joke about Morrison obviously being sick of all the money ink, ah, bugger off, walkout spots from earlier on in, in Raws, but of course John wasn't a fan of wrestling until he turned up for Tough Enough. Was he not? 
No, I, I'm, I just started rewatching uh, the all the old Tough Enough seasons because um, it blew it blew my girlfriend's mind. Oh, it's a WWE reality show. It's not Total Divas. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he turns up to the open audition for season two uh, at Vegas, and he, he does like a bunch of capoeira and breakdancing stuff. And Jay asks him to do a spinneroony, and <laughs> Morrison just goes, "What's a spinneroony?" And Jim Ross is living like, you don't know about Booker T, former five-time WCW champion on the uh, top-rated cable show in the World Wrestling Federation Monday Night Raw. Oh, man, I'm going to have to find a clip of that and splice it in here. That sounds amazing. Do the spinner rooney What's the spinner rooney So you don't watch our programming? You're not a fan of the WWF? You don't watch Booker T? Okay, thank you very much. I'd like to be in the WWF because I think it suits my personality very well and it's kind of the perfect mix of all the things I'd like to, to do. I think I don't like him because he's patronizing us a little bit. And you know, more and more I think about it, I don't think he wants to be a WWF star. I think he wants to flip, act, run, and do all the things that make up our genre. He's not doing anything for me. I, I'm passive. Oh, there you go, Morrison. Oh, you've let me down now. <laughs> he, he'd make up for it. Yeah. Ted, of course, um, does accept this challenge naturally because he's got nothing to lose. Um, and he comes back in, gets back into the match. We restart. He locks on a body scissor, then punts Morrison in the ribs for a two. Morrison comes back with a kick before Ted hits him with a power slam for a two and a clothesline for a two. Goes for the million-dollar dream and or the... Um, what oh, what's his slam out of that called? Is it the Dream Maker or Dream, Dream Street? Dream I couldn't remember what it was, but anyway, he goes for that. Morrison, however, counters it a la Bret Hart at WrestleMania Eight. Climbs up the ropes and pushes back, picks up the pin for the one, two, three, and avoids becoming a Virgil. But he doesn't avoid a beating as Ted jumps on him after the bell and starts to beat him down before r Truth comes out and makes a save. Hmm. Yeah. Cole referred to Morrison as being gutsy and saucy <laughs> for wanting the restart. Doubling down, I guess, because he wanted to make an impression on his first night on Raw. But, you know, the opposite happened, really. Um, he had such a hot start, and then everything after the commercial break in this match was just so flat. There was a couple of nice touches from Ted, but Morrison himself just really wasn't allowed to rally back properly in this match and it didn't really showcase him in any kind of decent way. And of course, because DiBiase's real angle is with Truth, you have to have DiBiase beat up Morrison at the end so that Truth can get involved as well. So it it just kind of neutered him, really. Even though, you know, like I was saying, he's doubled down and kept his word and like, yeah, okay, he, he can beat DiBiase like he promised. Yeah, he kind of did it twice, didn't he? Basically, yeah. From there, we go to a commercial. And when we come back, it's our Super Street Fighter 4 Rewind. And it's a big show knocking out Y2J on SmackDown. Oh, my God. I I didn't realise Street Fighter 4 was this far back. Oh, my God. I know. It's crazy times. All the years blur in. in uh, All the years blur together here. Oh, there's a sign in the crowd. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Raw spoiler, 
Triple H wins. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on the show right now. Fuck bag. <laughs> and now we'll have to insert an inset promo from Kyle saying why it was the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm actually I'm super pumped to see what uh, Triple H does with NXT going live next week. So um, some rare positivity about the game from me. Although I, I think I've always been pretty positive about his work as an executive, just not so much his um, main event, uh, the booking decisions of him in the main event. Mm. It's probably going to be answered by the time the episode gets released, but will Kevin Owens show up? Will someone get kicked out of Undisputed Era? Yeah, it's um, it's looking very interesting. I'm very, they've they've got to have a few surprises for the first episode, so it's definitely going to be worth something worth watching. From there, we go to our second Beat the Clock challenge. It's going to be John Cena taking on Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho comes out in a suit. I feel like we've seen this before somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Butley, he won't make the same flimsy excuse that Miz did. He got knocked out by the big show, but that's not why he's he's quitting this match. He's saying that he's beaten Cena so many times, it would be pointless to go on you and do that again. Yeah, and I racked my brain trying to think of one. <laughs> the last real Cena Jericho memory I've got is of um Cena beating him and Vince McMahon put Oh no, that was that was Bischoff, wasn't it? Um, I actually don't. Yeah. Although I'm sure, didn't Jericho get beat by Cena and have to leave as well? No, that was it. That's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, it was the, the Bischoff one. It was a rematch after SummerSlam 2005, and that's when he got dragged out and quit. Yes. Okay. Cool. I was I was mixing that in with the um the Bischoff being put in the garbage truck and sent packing as well. Oh, got you. I think those two things just fused together in my mind for some reason there. They're within three months of each other, so it's fair enough, really. There you go. <laughs> but he does have someone who does want to beat John Cena, and he brings out Wade Barrett. Barrett and Cena start the match with some chain wrestling before Cena tosses Barrett onto Jericho. Jericho spends a lot of time on the outside trying to get the commentators to talk about how great Wade Barrett is and what a good job he's doing, and they seem to get pretty annoyed with him. Uh, yes, I love his talk about Barrett gimmick. <laughs> Cole's great. like, we are talking about him. <laughs> yeah, he goes all Ric Flair taking his jacket off and Barrett puts on a surfboard to run down the clock at one point and Jericho's like, I taught him that! I taught him that! I just really wanted Barrett to just like hightail it out the ring and keep running around and avoid him for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was not to be. Um, he tries to win the match, which I guess was more noble, really. Um, hits him with some punches and a big boot. They brawl on the outside. Um Cole says that Barrett is a beast on Tuesday, but that's a rookie program, just so everyone knows where he stands. Uh, that's that's funny, because he was really bigging Barrett up at the start of this match, because he's already pinned a pro on NXT. No, that's so stupid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the surfboard you talked about, um, he hits a boot for a two and a backbreaker for a two as well. Um, as I said, Jericho is going off on Cole and Lawler. And then Cena hits an STF from out of nowhere and gets a tap-out victory, beating the clock by 27 seconds, meaning he'll get to decide the stipulation, which he's about to do right now. But, oh no, he's not. Shamo comes out and hits him with a brogue kick, and we get multiple replays of the whole event in case you weren't watching 45 seconds ago. So, um, what's stopping Cena from announcing the stipulation after he's recovered? Yeah, just get up and say it then. <laughs> this is Shamo knocking out Triple H when he's about to say something to Shawn Michaels all over again. I know, he just really doesn't like promos. Yeah. What do you make to the match, Lee? 
Oh, I didn't like it as much as the first one. I, I feel like they both tried to give the NXT guy some offense and make them look strong, but Cena's came across as a lot more of, I'm just selling until I hit the inevitable finisher and beat you. Batista sold being in jeopardy a lot better than Cena did, if I'm being honest. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. This was vastly inferior to the previous main event versus NXT guy match. Jericho on the outside was the only highlight for me. Um, it did wade far fewer favours than Dave did to Brian. Um, I wanted to do something special, seeing as how this was the culmination of our storyline here. And uh, this beat the clock challenge inspired me. Now, Lee, are you aware of uh, this thing people do online with linear championships? I am not. So, it all started from an article from Voices of Wrestling a fair few years ago speculating who would be the WWE champion if every single win or loss mattered, if there were no such thing as non-title matches. Oh, interesting. And so from that, people have been using the same concept for things that aren't actually championships. And one of our friends on Twitter, Patrick Reed, did one of the all-time great bits of online media in wrestling and figured out who in wrestling has the linear rights to the custody of Dominic Mysterio. (laughs) I did not see that one coming. That was a swerve. (laughs) So, in the same spirit, tonight we've had Batista and John Cena competing for the right to name the stipulation for the title match over the limit. So, I, John Cena came out on top tonight. I kept a track of the history of the match history of John Cena to figure out who holds the linear right to name the stipulation for the WWE Championship match at Over the Limit 2010. Oh, do tell. So, just the rules here I'm only counting one on one matches, and people have to win by pinfall submission referee stoppage uh, or a legal stipulation in the match type. Yep. And I've kind of screwed myself over here because I was planning for this to be like a future segment on the show, but um, it might have changed by the time the episode comes out, but basically whoever the 24-7 champion is the person who has the right to name the championship match at Over the Limit 2010. Oh, fuck, that could change so many times. So currently that is our truth Um, But that could change by the time This episode gets released Now just a a couple of factoids around this So all four men Who actually competed in the beat the clock sprint Would eventually earn this right To name the title match Obviously Cena started out Then Brian won it one and a half years later, <laughs> then Batista and Barrett would win it four years later on down the line. And Chris Jericho is the only person involved in these segments who never got the championship. <laughs> Poor would you like me to run down the top? <laughs> well, he's won just about everything else, hasn't he? I suppose so. <laughs> would you like me to run down the top five title holders for the right to name the stipulation at Over the Limit 2010. I absolutely would. <laughs> so, in joint fifth place with four reigns each are Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. 
Decent. Then in joint third place with five reigns each are Seamus and Alberto Del Rio. Oh, okay. Alberto, we've not had mentioned on the show too often. Second with six is Roman Reigns. The big dog. The big dog. And in first place, the original right to name the stipulation to over the limit 2010 champion, John Cena with nine reigns. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm eventually going to get this up as like a Google Sheets uh, spreadsheet. So you can all keep a track of it because it gets quite wild. Um, at one point, Edge won the the right and then retired. So I had to revert back to the Miz, uh, who was who Edge beat for the right. Um, but then, oh my god, it just takes in so much of the main event scenes from like the early. 2010s and then the late 2010s and goes all the way through to Sin Cara, Bad News Barrett, Seamus, Cesaro, Kofi Kingston. It is a wild ride. <laughs> How long did it take you to put that together? Um, a couple of hours. <laughs> I had to break it up into two sessions because it was going to make me late for the dentist because <laughs> I got so involved in it. <laughs> Oh man, this has made my day. <laughs> I can't even remember where we're up to now. <laughs> um, oh, did you know the draft last week was the number one show on cable, outrating the NBA by nearly two million viewers. Oh yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to. Um, that was the uh, other sign I was talking about earlier, wasn't it? Um, when I said they've got another little graphic that comes on later on. Yes, did you know? Yeah. I want to see. I'm going to try and find out right now, if I can, um, who actually played on that day in the NBA. So, Ooh. on the 5th of May... Um, da, 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 da. No, that's actually the wrong way around. Where are we? 3rd of May. 3rd of May, yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, it looks as though there was two games in the NBA, and they were both in the playoffs by the looks of it. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics finished 104 to 86 winners, and the Suns took on Phoenix Suns took on the San Antonio Spurs, and they finished out 111 to 102. So either one of those games would have been a pretty decent game. You would have had uh, Tim Duncan playing for the Spurs, and I would imagine at that time possibly LeBron James playing for the Cavaliers. Although I'm not certain on that one. Hmm. I wonder how many millions of viewers behind the NBA they are these days. Mm, I bet they don't put any graphics up to tell us. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even get two million viewers for the Raw that was against the um, NFL return this week. No, I I can't wait to see Raw get beat by the XFL. That's got to be the next step. Oh! Oh, man. Can't wait for the XFL to come back. I'm pumped. I'm going to be a New York fan, I think. (laughs) From there, we go to our next match, which is Maurice taking on Nikki Bella. Uh, Nikki Bella starts off with a snapmare, and Maurice hits a DDT, 4-1-2-3, and yes, that was all the significant moves that took place in this match. (laughs) Way! Yeah, that was literally it. Fuck's sake. Um... Yeah, Cole randomly talks about how Maurice came over in the 2009 draft. And I thought for a split second he was going to confuse her with Kelly Kelly. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about the 2009 draft? Oh. 
Yeah, they were a little bit interchangeable at this point in time, some of the girls. Sad, sad to say, because it is obviously a lot better now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, one of Raw's sponsors before the match began was Subway. And I got the impression from what they were promoting that they've, they only just started serving breakfast at this point? Yeah, it looked that way, didn't it? What the hell? <laughs> they were way behind the time. Maybe times. it's different in... A- well, yeah, maybe it's different in America, but I'm sure breakfast at Subway's been a thing for much longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. I'm pretty sure it was longer than that over here. I'm not a, I'm not a Subway person, personally. I don't really like it. No, I've been really disappointed the last couple of times I've gone. and They, they just keep giving me enough Subway card points to get a six-inch. like, oh, I'll give it another go. And like, mm. I, I'm, I'm not really like a... Um... A big one for nitpicking normally. Like, I'm pretty, you know, pretty cruisy. But I really take exception to a company who, I don't know if it's the same slogan over there, but over here their slogans, Eat Fresh, is it the same over there? At some point it would have been. Um, I don't, I'm sure it's something else now, but... I don't like having a, going into a store where their slogan is Eat Fresh and watching them microwave my fucking chicken. Like, it really annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, how can I be the only person on earth that gets really annoyed by this? <laughs> oh, man. Um, after that match, that barn burner we just talked about, um, <laughs> Maurice presents a photo shoot, which is just essentially her lay all over an unconscious Eve and showing off with Eve's belt. And Eve comes running out barefoot. I just put here, I fucking can't. Please say something about this, Duncan, because I just can't anymore. <laughs> She messes up sliding into the ring completely. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It was just, yeah, truly, truly awful stuff as we go to a commercial. Um, From there, as I turn my page, um, we get a really, really, really cringy promo from Zack Ryder. Uh um, It's also mildly racist. (laughs) I'm going to splice it in and let everyone else be the judge. To me here, uh, Alicia and Gail, and the Long Island loudmouth, Zack Ryder's in the ring. Hi, girls. Everyone's talking about the biggest news to come from the WWE draft. That Zack Ryder's still on Raw. I thought he went to Canada to avoid it. But now, now I'm single and ready to mingle. Uh Uh-oh. And that's why I invited these two hot divas out to sit ringside and watch me in action. Last week on Superstars, Isaac attacked Primo Cologne, and tonight I'll do it again. So Primo, I watch the news. Don't make me act like one of those governors from Arizona and ask to check your papers. Bro, just get out here right now. Woo, woo, woo. Basically, he's going to be taking on Primo and he makes some sort of... I can't remember what the remark he made was, but I'll splice it in so if I can hear racist remark against Primo. And Wayne Brady pops up on screen and changes his opponent his opponent to Mark Henry. So fucking take that, Zach. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but this is my dick move of the night. Um, it's some kind of deportation joke about something that happened in Arizona in the news around that time. Um but totally classless. And even before then, so Gail Kim and Alicia Fox are ringside for some reason, and Ryder claims he brought the Hot Divas out to watch him as if, you know, they have zero free will. 
yeah, this whole this whole thing wasn't good at all, was it? Mm. And he talks about still being on Raw. <laughs> I didn't know he was on Raw to begin with. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Zack Ryder. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, and the other thing, somehow. Jerry Lawler hasn't heard the phrase single and ready to mingle before. Oh. And he's going to steal it from Zack Ryder. <laughs> Jerry Lawler. The originator of single and ready to mingle, of course. Jerry Lawler stealing pickup lines from Zack Ryder is so 2010. <laughs> oh my god. I suppose he's rarely single and ready to mingle. He's usually married or halfway through a divorce and ready to mingle. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I don't want to get into this. I'm only going to say things I'll regret. <laughs> then we go into Mark Henry taking on Zack Ryder. Uh, Henry starts with a slam, and again, and then a third slam. Zack Ryder decides he's had enough of this and drop kicks him in the knee, then hits a second rope drop kick for a two. A rough rider for a two, but then walks into a world's uh, strongest slam for the one, two, three. And Mark Henry leaves with Alicia Fox and Gail Kim. So take that, Zach. You got beat and lost both the girls. <coughs> Sexual chocolate's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's brilliant. <laughs> we then go backstage to Jericho and the Miz ragging on the big show. And Jericho has a plan on how to get back at him. Yep. Yeah. Jericho was annoyed at show for playing country music and the Miz hated his snoring. Um I thought this was like the the best part of this show for me, the Jericho and Miz interactions. You know, we referenced earlier their little parallels between them ducking out of their beat the clock matches. Um yeah, they play it up here and I think it's really good. They they have a plan, but they like you know they've got a common purpose of trying to get back at the big show but they're clearly like just in this for a business decision yeah it's it's obvious it's just that they've both been smited and the big show is too big of a threat for the both of them so they're going to partner up to try and get back at him together we then get a bit of a hype video on john morrison which was a little bit weird considering the dull match we had earlier but that's what they went with yeah, exactly so i got video package for john morrison because his actual match didn't put him over at all indeed and from there, we go to Wayne Brady with Kozlov, and Santino comes in dressed as a member of the Brady Bunch. Get it? <laughs> he wants to team with Kozlov, but Regal comes in and pulls rank, and it'll be him teaming with Kozlov for a tag match, not Santino, to which Santino goes, Regal, Regal, Regal. Um, Santino wants to be on Wayne's show. Let's consummate a deal. <laughs> oh, man. Um Highlight for me was William Regal calling Santino a nincompoop. Do you ever... I, I don't know where I heard this, but do you remember hearing this story that was doing the rounds a few years back about how when Freddie Prince Jr. was on the um, the riding staff, he was um, watching a comedy show or something on, one, on the plane once and Vince asked him why he wasn't watching Raw? And he said something along the lines of, I just you know want to watch some comedy and have a laugh right now. And Vince said, we've got comedy, we've got Santino. And this was um, Vince's answer to sitting back and watching a stand-up special. <laughs> oh, my God. And people wonder why um, the um, WWE is a little bit out of touch these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. We then go to our Subway Slam of the Week. Um, it's not heated up chicken in the microwave. It's the Hearts winning the tag titles the previous week from Show Miz. Yeah, Subway, build your better breakfast today. Yeah, uh, that really sounds enticing. (laughs) (laughs) 
And we get the Hart Dynasty taking on Regal and Kozlov. So I can see why Santino was annoyed. He's missing out on a tag title match. Although Regal and Kozlov get the job or entrance, so I don't hold a lot of hope. Oh my god, I've just realised! <laughs> Poor Regal. This is them sowing the seed for <laughs> Santino and Kozlov teaming up! <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to get some really, really good stuff there, I can imagine. <laughs> Jericho. Yeah, they're going to beat They're gonna beat the story tag team of Michael McGillicutty and David Otunga. Oh, man, I'm really sad that our timeline's ending. <laughs> <laughs> Jericho and The Miz come out and join the commentary team as the heels beat down on Tyson Kidd. Um, we get an SOS from... Kozlov and then a tag to David Hardsmith from Kid. Um, he gets the sharpshooter on pretty quickly. Uh, sorry, um, Kid comes back in and gets a sharpshooter on pretty quickly, and Regal taps. But the Miz comes in and Hart, David Hardsmith walks straight into a Y2J code breaker, and the Miz hits him with a skull crushing finale. So they lay out the baby faces pretty quickly. Um, during the match, the Jericho and Miz were getting into a spat over their Twitter followers. Shows you how long ago this was. I made a note. Jericho had 110,000 and Miz had 65,000. Oh, poor going. <laughs> um, this match, I don't know about you, it felt like it had the same sort of issues as the Morrison and DiBiase one. There was only really two spots of note from the heels, lots of rudimentary arm work. And then by the time Davy Boy got the tag, he didn't really get to run through with a really proper dynamic comeback. The match just kind of ended. Yeah, it didn't really get going, this one, did it? No, not at all. Oh, then I guess they had to eat into the time to replay Edge spearing Orton for the 12th time tonight. Yeah, because we've really needed to see that yet again. I know. But it was what it was. Um, From there, we went into... um, We got announced next week's special guest, and this time I am legitimately upset that we're not carrying on because it's my boy, Flavor Flav! Flavor Flav! Fun fact. Oh my god, I want to I want to watch this just to see if he gives all the wrestlers new names because he can't remember to remember their he can't be bothered to remember their actual names just like on Flavor of Love. Fun fact in oh I would say what year was it? I don't know what year it was. It was over 10 years ago, but a very very large, very young uh, myself went to the work Christmas party, which was not a dress up Christmas party, as a fat white flavor flav just for a laugh. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'll post a picture of it when I put the um the episode up on Twitter uh, sometime during the week. But yeah, I um awesome. yeah, it was it was a um a pretty big night out. We actually I think we drove to the Gold Coast for like a um a show and a restaurant and um drinks package for the night and yeah, I got pretty heavily intoxicated dressed as a huge flavor flav but i fucking did a good job i'm not gonna lie <laughs> did you go a red lobster ball? <laughs> we don't have red lobster over here i would have loved to have done oh, i actually think it was a um from memory and this was a long time ago and i was very drunk i'm pretty sure it was like a faulty towers themed restaurant <laughs> as if this could get any more eclectic of a mix <laughs> Oh, boy. But, yeah, look out for that picture. (laughs) We are then going to the cutting edge with Randy Orton. Edge cuts a bit of an average promo, to be honest, about how he speared Orton because he's frustrated about being drafted. Like, that doesn't make any sense, really. Um, 
Wayne Brady comes out and he wants to be a superstar and wants to do what you do. So I'm going to cut a promo and cuts a promo on some of the other guest hosts, which was one of the most entertaining parts of the show. So I'm going to splice a bit of that in here as well. Well, because all the stuff I've gotten into, the fact is I've been a huge wrestling fan my entire life. I love the WWE, grew up on the WWE. And to be able to come out here and to watch you do your thing, this is why I'm here. This is why. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, hey, do you want to do your thing? Well, what I was going to ask you is, is because this is a lot of people to be in front of right now here in Jacksonville and at home. People are watching all over the world, not just the country, all over the world. Can I, can I try to feel what it's like to, to walk in your footsteps, to, to, to just a little bit to walk in your shadow? Hey, feel free, buddy. Seriously, have does it feel it. like to have be some fun. a WWE feel superstar? Okay. What's up, Jacksonville? Jacksonville, I came here tonight not to challenge anyone, but to tell any other guest host who wants to come on Raw, all the other people that have done it before, you're not me. To all the mini-me's, to Cheech and or Chong, to Bob Barker, I am Bob Darker. I came here to Raw. This is my house tonight. That felt really good. That felt pretty good. Really now good. look straight in that camera and tell them. What, these guys? Jacksonville, make some noise! He actually did better on the mic than a lot of the, the wrestlers did. I loved it. I loved it. My favourite line, I'm sure it was yours as well, was when he addressed um, Bob Barker. Yes, it was. <laughs> <coughs> to Bob Barker, I'm Bob Darker. <laughs> that was a brilliant line. Loved it. Um, yeah, Edge's reasoning, I don't know, I, I kind of, you know, I was a little bit more into it than you were. Um, probably just because... He teased doing the, I don't owe you an explanation, non-explanation. And then he actually did go in to try and think about it. And, you know, he's trying, he feels like he's going to have to start his comeback all over again by being on a new brand and, you know, being away from the championship that he was after. Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? I mean, he could just come in and be at the same level he's always been at, really. And I mean, like, what's to stop him spearing someone that's actually wronged him? Or, you know, a heel? Like, why did he have to turn heel to get noticed? Hmm, yeah. Um, I guess it's just because Autumn was someone in the, in the headline match and, you know, everyone's forgotten Edge as a Royal Rumble winner already and, you know, you had to go for, like, the headline people. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would think if your sole purpose is to get noticed and to get back to the top, you'd probably want to go and aim for the champion, but that's just me. Mm. Orton comes out and um, in a fucking brilliant moment, just nails Wayne Brady with an RKO, and then he gets to feel what it's Holy like shit. to be a wrestler for real. <clears throat> Major props to Brady for taking that. Orton, by the way, had the ugliest shirt I've ever seen from WWE's merch store. It's this weird snake's face all in chains. It's just like, ugh. It, it'd have to be pretty ugly to be top five for my money. 
<laughs> well, I suppose it's not going to beat the Sin Cara unintentional penis. But... <laughs> or the, the Val, Val Venus. Um... <laughs> oh, the cum shirt. Oh, God. <laughs> His money shot riding. <laughs> There's been some pretty hideous shirts over the... I mean, anything John Cena ever wore is ugly as fuck. But yeah, that's um, that's that's a brilliant bump there by Wayne Brady. Um, Edge begs off and offers to reform Rated RKO, which is just a little bit weird. Um, Orton just stares him down. Edge blocks an RKO and hits a big boot. Get, goes to set up a spear, but the spear is countered into an RKO, and we head off the air. Um, nice counter into the RKO. Nice ending segment, but a bit of a weird way to go off the air. I felt. Yeah, this is just them totally trying to position Orton as the Austin of this era, really. Um, Cole even put over tonight as being the start of Randy Orton's era. So this feels like they're trying to feed Orton some crumbs and big him up while he's outside of the title scene. Yeah, I just, I, I don't see it working somehow. No. But alas, we have hit the end of Raw. So that was the Raw that did a 3.05 to trounce TNA. Um, what did you think about Raw overall? A bit flat, really. Um, highlights for me were the Jericho and Miz segments and their whole plan. It just makes perfect sense to me. Like They're going to go after the tag title so that they can go on the SmackDown and go after the big show, but they clearly don't like each other still. And, of course, Batista and Brian was great fun. Yeah, I, I, there was definitely a few highlights, a few lowlights on this one. So it was, look, before getting into um, which of the shows we like better, which obviously we're going to do at the end, the one thing I will say about this show is I liked it a hell of a lot more than the last Raw we talked about. No, really? Yeah, I there was there was enough on this that actually got I got through this. Um, I think I got through this in one sitting. Um, I may have gotten up and had a drink break, but I watched this all in one night. Um, I yeah breezed straight through this and didn't really have a problem at all. Oh, I yeah I, I did this in one sitting. In fairness, but it's a little bit lacking in ring for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I would agree with that, but certainly I guess it was just enough of a mixed bag for me that I liked it. So that is that. Let's head on over to Impact and see if they can beat it, though. Uh, But before we do, um, do you have any memorabilia you want to discuss this week on Memorabilia Lane? I'd like to talk about wrestling playsets mm. uh, because I I can't remember what brought this on, but I remembered. Do you know the Jack specific backstage playset with the toilet that flushed and with the <laughs> soda machine and the wall that broke? I remember a lot of these weird and wacky Jacks ones. I adored that. It's probably still in my mum's garage somewhere. But, yeah, that was my big first wrestling playset for me. Oh, very nice. Um, 
I'm trying to think what my first playset would have been. It would probably... I had the original Titantron Live. Oh, wow. I had the one after that that was the SmackDown shape. That's actually the better one. Um, the SmackDown one's a lot mm. better, but that didn't, to the best of my knowledge, get released over here. Um, actually, if you like wrestling playsets for anyone listening, go and check out on Twitter at KS Elite Stages. He's one of the guys I follow, but he's made a ton of stuff for me over the years. Um, all made like with printouts and foam board and stuff, but they're actually to scale. So if you have a check out any of my figure pictures that I put up on Twitter and on Instagram, you'll see a lot of them are with those backgrounds. So if you are a into collecting these days definitely check it out because there's some good stuff on there very nice yeah i really enjoy all the results i saw your pat patterson sergeant slaughter shot earlier today yeah that pat patterson figure cost me an absolute fortune and i'm currently reading his books i thought what a better time to make use of it (laughs) nice yeah so play sets definitely the way to go um the um the Jax ones, yeah, some really good ones and some not so good ones back in the day. I've still got to this day the um, the real scale Hell in a Cell from Jax that I'll use for, for photography once in a while to set up every now and again. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's not easy to come by these days, so I won't be getting rid of that anytime soon. Kyle had the Elimination Chamber. It was fucking hard to play in. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it is. The Hell in a Cell's great because you can actually just take one side off. So you can have the look of, you know, three sides and take your photos from the other side, which makes it very easy. Cool. Hmm. All right. With that out of the way, let's head on over and check out what Impact did. Impact actually starts uh, telling us that we're going to see a Hogan Sting, Hogan Sting Summit, easy to say, um, and we're going to find out whether or not it was really a fast count and whether or not Sting showed up out of shape and they decided to go in a different direction. I mean, no, 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 we're going to find out why he's turned heel recently. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we are also told pretty much right off the bat that Impact's going back to Thursday next week due to popular demand and fan comments sad face um i'm not happy with this yeah right out of the gate (laughs) their tails tucked thoroughly between their legs and mike tenay still can't say welcoming you um and they also hype a new cutting edge show reaction right after impact yeah yeah i wrote that down um it doesn't make up for it at all (laughs) well Maybe this next segment will make up for it. Oh, okay, so this is going to be a big one. <laughs> um, 
Jay Lethal comes out dressed as Ric Flair, and I've just got here, oh, baby, yes, I'm excited, <laughs> I'm scared, I'm nervous, and end the show here, Duncan. I'm sorry, it's time to wrap it up. Impact wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. He, he is brilliant at this, isn't he? I, you know what? Like, I think everyone's seen the really famous clip of the, like, the promo backwards and forwards between them. And I didn't know there was anything beyond that. So this absolutely had me going nuts in my living room. <laughs> well, I knew the gimmick lasted beyond that. But I thought that really famous one was just the beginning of this. So I was kind of set back a bit thinking, oh... Like, that was the segment I was expecting, and we turned out we got something a little bit different. But, oh my god, like, he implores the cameraman to get a shot of his Hall of Fame ring, and he's like, right there! He is just amazing. Uh, he does a spot-on Ric Flair impersonation. I can't do it justice, so I will splice some of it in. Unfortunately, this brings out a very pissed off Ric Flair who comes out and says that his lawyer will be calling TNA's lawyer because he expects some money for this. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he doesn't. That's what he said on Twitter about Becky this week. 
<laughs> Jay basically says he sings Ric Flair's praises and says this is an honor for him and it's the greatest day of his life. Flair slaps him and tells him that it's going to become the worst day of his life and goes absolutely bonkers. Um, this segment is just amazing. Flair slaps him a second time and Jay looks genuinely hurt. And he slaps him a third time and Jay's had enough and he slaps the ever-living piss out of Ric Flair. I was, um, I mean, it's just me. I was a little bit disappointed Jay broke character and started being all sincere. I wanted him to, like, just not stop being Ric Flair, like, you know, the famous one that we see. I think this just, to me, like, this planted the seed when Flair beat him down. But he's like, no, I'm going to fucking double down on this and I'm going to make your life hell. So I'm hoping this means it's going to give us a lot more, a lot more coming up. I guess so, yeah. Um, (laughs) The fans were surprisingly mixed on this. It was a fair few boos. um, And there was a chance of We Want Rick. And Jay, Jay replied to him, but I'm right here. I know. Can you imagine like with the fondness, pretty much this is universally looked back upon with be like having to watch that now and realize you are one of the guys in the crowd booing it. Like how much of a dick would you feel mm. like now? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it as well. When genuine Ric Flair came out and joined him in the ring, the fans chanted double vision. <laughs> there was a, there was a few good chants from this crowd occasionally. So that was definitely among them. Hmm. We get a chop fest and then Jay locks on a figure four, but Beer Money Incorporated, Incorporated, AJ Styles and Desmond Wolfall come out for a five on one beatdown. Abyss comes out to try and make the save and Taz uh, channels in his, his inner Michael Cole when he says the numbers game is catching up to them. T- Team 3D come out to help. Um, eventually the heels five on four do gain the upper hand again. So RVD's music hits and he comes out with a chair and all the heels bail. Um, just an absolute chaotic opening segment here. Mm, yeah, um, all good stuff all around, except they're still ringing the bell when people are getting beaten up. It's not a match! I know, like, it's not going to make a, slightest, a slight bit of difference. <sighs> Jesus wept. Um, from there, we go to a limo of with Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff driving and obviously they've gotten word that shit's going down so they're turning the limo back around <laughs> just like I threaten my kids on every car trip that's not school <laughs> <laughs> um, they're heading back to the arena um, we go back to the arena and RBD basically asks for an 8 man tag even though there's 10 of them I'll let that go um, instead they come back down and we have a 10 man brawl um, this is really good and the crowd's really hot for this um Unfortunately, my dick move of the week is a big back and forth, five on five, chaotic brawl until Hulk comes out and single handedly puts all the heels down. Of course he does. Um, I thought it was a bit awkward when they cut back from commercial. Uh, they showed a replay of the brawl from before the commercial and they hadn't cut. Tanay's original commentary out of it so you could hear Mike Tanay talking over Mike Tanay and um, I thought it was a bit weird how you know you had the faces having to stand their ground in the middle of the ring just waiting for the cuter oh we're back from commercial now okay we're gonna brawl again way I know it was um yeah a little a little bit form- formulaic but that's okay I did like Rob Van Dam calling Flair's associates the four horses' asses, though. 
Yeah, nice little line from RVD. He doesn't get too many zingers in, so it's good for him to get one once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we get um, the referees are separating everyone, and Hogan then steals Ric Flair's catchphrases, and Ric Flair is going to be a busy man in court. <laughs> 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 Desmond Wolf um, is announced as being uh, the number one, well, not the number one contender, but Hogan names Desmond Wolf and RVD in a title match later on. So I'd come out and brawl anytime if that was the result, personally. Um, AJ Styles is not so lucky. He's going to get a biss in a Monsters Ball match. And Team 3D get added to the Motor City Machine Guns beer money, and it's made into a triple threat. So there you go. Mm-hmm. One thing about this, so. Hogan made all those decrees after a second commercial break. This brawl lasted three segments. I know. I kind of liked it, though. It gave it a really, like... To me, I don't don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but my favourite ever episode of Raw is in 2001 when ECW and WCW join and become the Alliance. That's my favourite ever episode. Now, I know it goes to shit afterwards, but that one episode was just utter chaos and you had no idea what was coming and it was twists and turns. And it was just like, there was a lot of, in those early Alliance days, a lot of huge brawls that just couldn't be contained. And this reminded me of that. I guess so, but one, it felt a little long to me and it lost a lot of momentum from what first happened after Jay and Rick had at it. And two, the transitions to the commercial breaks felt like far more awkward. Like It felt like everybody stopped and lingered for the sake of, okay, we still got to be around for the commercial break. Whereas some of those invasion brawls just looked like there was so many people involved that it was just natural that it was carrying on and this felt a lot less natural to me okay fair enough um from there we go to uh, something else not natural it's a beautiful people putting makeup on <laughs> and um we're told they are going to face tara sarita and taylor wilde with all the belts on the line for more of this women's wrestling doesn't matter stick them in a six man where all the titles are on the line I know another match with every title on the line. What the hell? Yeah, it's not good. Um, then we go to Doug Williams and Brian Kendrick in the ring. Doug's a little bit upset about him being stripped of the exhibition title. I'll splice a little bit of this in here, but I will just say I agree with him. That is bullshit. Now let me get this straight. Due to travel conditions, totally out of my control, I've been stripped of the X Division title. That's right, volcanoes erupting, great clouds of ash in the sky, planes grounded, half the world on a shutdown, and I'm the one that's punished. It's just not right. And to add insult to injury, when I do get here, I'm in some ridiculous tag match with this crazed lunatic. Hey, calm down. Just stating facts. Calm down. Kazarian, whilst I've been sitting at home pulling my hair out, you've been prancing around calling yourself the real champ. Well, you're not the real champ. And if you want to be, you're going to have to beat me for my title at Sacrifice. I do agree with him, and he's still wearing the championship as he cuts that promo. Which, um, 
that's actually the focus of a lot of the humour in the Beautiful People promo as well. Uh, Lacey doesn't take her title off because she thinks she's supposed to keep it on 24-7. <laughs> Just idiots. Idiocy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And Rain at one point when she's like doing a rallying cry, she's like, these titles are staying right where they are. And, and that that's leads Lacey to conclude, see, I told you we weren't supposed to take them off. Oh, my Lord. Back, back into the ring, Doug's upset that um, he's been stripped of the title and he wants uh, Kazarian at sacrifice for the belt and I think that's a pretty fair request. It's probably not going to be Razor and Sean reuniting the IC title, but I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, from there, we go to Doug Williams and Brian and... Sorry, and... Brian Kendrick versus Ink Ink, a new tag team. It is Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. What did you think about that name? I'm fine with it, really. Yeah, um, they showed clips of them forming last week, confronting Morgan, and it turns out they've been granted a tag title match. Yeah, I think that's a pretty decent storyline, and they seem a pretty good fit, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, interesting. Hogan is going to name Morgan's tag partner for him as well. Yes, uh, Williams and Jesse Neal do a little bit of chain wrestling. Jesse Neal hits a second rope crossbody. Morgan on commentary, and as you mentioned, Hogan's going to pick his partner to face Ink Ink at Sacrifice. Shannon Moore with a top rope crossbody and a drop kick and a leg lariat. Then a blockbuster before Jesse Neal hits a spear for the one, two, three. Okay, a little bit quick. Um, and did John Terry, uh, sorry, did Mike Tanay, not John, T- John, how the hell did I get John Terry out of that? <laughs> Uh, Fuck, I am getting delirious. John Terry was definitely not on impact. (laughs) He's there, full kit, ready to lift the trophy. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (coughs) Um, Did Mike Tanay call the blockbuster a morgasm? That is indeed, yep, I made a note of that too. Oh, what a name. (laughs) Um... This has felt a bit like some of the matches we got last week on Impact. Um, it was some decent stuff, but all of the outside stuff was the focus instead of what was going on. Um, like All of the outside factors really took away the attention for me. Um, we got another of the ticker tape newsreels that reminded us Impact was moving back to Thursdays and mentioned Hermie Sadler debuting the TNA NASCAR car. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Matt Morgan came out to join commentary and he did it while standing up and Taz was complaining, I'm hurting my neck looking up at you there. And Morgan tells him, well, stand on a chair. To which Taz quips, well, story of my life. (laughs) Fair enough. That was a good line, actually. (laughs) After this match as well, talking about the outside stuff, um, Samoa Joe comes out, nails Kendrick and Doug Williams and then hits a muscle buster on Brian Kendrick and... It picks up a mic, but doesn't actually say anything. Just drops it and walks off. I actually am digging this Samoa Joe. I like it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, it's weird to me. Tanae actually acknowledged that he'd been abducted. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's weird that this is the angle that's trying to move Joe away from that embarrassing thing that like, oh yeah, can you believe that we did that? Kind of like how they kind of retconned Hogan's Hall of Fame ring being magic last week. 
<laughs> they've uh, they've done a few questionable things in this time period. Absolutely. From there, we have uh, JB trying to get an interview with Ric Flair in his heel stable, but he gets kicked out of the dressing room and Flair half shuts the door and it just swings right back open, so they just film from the door. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> he chews out the heels and basically um, tells them all that they've not done a good enough job and they need to stand up and be counted. As I said, we watch through the open door. We then flick across to Hogan backstage pondering Sting's actions and wanting to know what's going on. And then Taz and Mike Tanay recap what's going on so far. Send us back to Ken Anderson and the Pope brawling backstage, which Anderson quickly gets the better of. Uh, nails him with a storage box and appears to be dressed up like he's about to be the Pope in a high school play. <laughs> Quite the choir boy. Yeah, right. Lots going on there. I want to get to some of the stuff Flair was saying to motivate his charges. He orders AJ to kick that elephant's ass. You're a racehorse. Act like it. <laughs> and uh, he he, he uh, berates everyone saying that everybody make it happen or I will find replacements. Yeah, he's um, really it's chewing into of, them. Yeah, and it's kind of true if you know what's coming. Um, yeah, that Hogan again, that Hogan promo. Again, he's moaning about all these problems. That he's like, oh my God, it's such a pain running TNA, brother. Fuck off. <laughs> I couldn't tell who he was talking to either. No, it just looked like he was just sort of talking to an interviewer that wasn't filmed, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, today also revealed that the reason Wolf is getting his title shot is because um, he got a lot of votes in the poll that Bischoff started last week, so that factored into it. Mm, fair enough. Um, it's good to see them taking taking the fans' say into account, I guess. Mm-hmm. So after all that, uh, Anderson comes out dressed as the Pope, as I said. Cuts a pretty dull promo, but Jeff Hardy saves us, thankfully. Um, says the Pope won't be cleared by the pay-per-view, but he'll challenge him to a match. Anderson says, ah, oh, no, maybe some other night. Turns around and tries to cheap shot him, but Jeff Hardy nails him and then basically um, disrobes him, picks up a microphone, says, nice panties, which is a... Odd bit of odd line, and then puts the mic up to Anderson's face, but talks for him, saying, "Yes, I accept the challenge." It was just a a weird segment all round, and I guess we've got Hardy and Anderson at the pay per view. I guess so. Kind of weird, but effective way of moving Anderson on uh, Jeff instead of Pope. Pope's got his injury. Ken was annoying as usual. Jeff Hardy's really out there with some of his verbiage. Um. Did you notice what was on Anderson's sweet panties? I didn't. I, I, something about a mic, but I couldn't catch the whole thing. Yeah, so on the back, it said, talk into. Then we had an ellipsis. And then on the front, it said, the mic. Uh... So I'm like, is he inviting blowjobs here? I, it would appear that way. <laughs> That's a, a little strange. <laughs> yeah. From there, we go to our all the marbles, super important women's match. Uh, Taylor, Sarita, and Tara taking on the beautiful people. Um, we get a suplex for a two count by Tara. Um, Lacey Von Erich hits a spin kick. Uh, Sarita does a bunch of unnecessary flips into a nothing, so not much happening there. We get a flapjack for a two count, a Taylor Wilde German suplex. Tara intercepts and tags Sarita, who then... Um, 
gets tagged herself back out. Tara nails both of her partners, and the beautiful people hit a spike DDT for the one, two, three in a dud. <laughs> Taz quipped about that DDT. That was ugly. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing was ugly. Um, I was especially annoyed with the slow crawl for a tag after one move being done. Oh, my God. For me, Taylor Wilde was the only highlight of this match. So many botches. Velvet was really dodgy bumping. Um, Tanae thought he saw Tara spit at her partners at one point as well. Which they didn't replay or refer back to again afterwards. No. Um, and then Tara cuts a promo challenging... Uh, Madison Rain for the belt, but saying she knows she's not going to accept. Um, I think Christy Hemi actually holding the mic says, why would she accept when you've not been winning any matches, which is a pretty fair point. Um, and she says she's going to put yeah. a, her, her career on the line as the incentive. <laughs> so, yeah, that makes a bunch of sense. Have a, a heel face another heel and put the, her career on the line in place of it. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, um, this the women's division here, for all the praise Impact got, this is not one of those moments. I'm not surprised at all that it fell apart when Hogan and Bischoff got in charge, that's for sure. Yeah. From there, we go to Team 3D versus Beer Money Incorporated versus the Motor City Machine Guns in a triple threat tag match. Uh, Saban and Rude with a quick exchange to get us started before the guns hit some double team moves on James Storm. Devon comes in and hits a nice clothesline. Beer Money uh, do some double teams of their own. Bubba hits a clothesline, a big boot, a backdrop, and the Dudleys hit the wasp-up headbutt. Then the band come out and attack the Dudleys, ending the match in a DQ. So more t- <coughs> um, ring action cut short, sadly. Oh, it's hilarious. The band properly try and sneak out as if they're not going to be noticed. <laughs> they're both two guys like above six foot five and they're doing the whole Elmer Fudd, shh, <laughs> quiet, I'm trying to catch the wabbit thing. Just brilliant. <laughs> then Eric Young comes out uh, with a kendo stick, but he doesn't chase off the band who he's been feuding with. He nails Team 3D with it. Um, that we don't let get time for that to really sink in though, because the machine guns come back in and take out all three, uh, the two members of the band and EY before beer money come in and take out the machine guns. So just a lot of moving parts and a lot of action, but it was probably wasted and could have been done between the bells, to be honest. It needed a bit of breathing space, which again goes back to my misgivings about how long that opening brawl was. If you cut one segment out of that, you could have some time to sink in that, oh, Eric Young's turned and, uh, you know, Tanae questioning whether Sixpack is going to be back or not. Well, I'm pretty sure Sixpack's not going to be back after he got brained last week, but still. Um, yeah, the only thing that was good about this was the band giving the machine guns all of his shine. It was so cool. Yeah, I, um, <coughs> I agree with you and I disagree with you. I'd happily leave the opening segment alone and I just cut out the whole women's match and the beautiful people promo and have Tara cut her end promo as a standalone segment. Okay. Um, Either way, I think you're right. This needed a bit more time. Um, And another thing you could possibly cut out is the next segment, which is Orlando Jordan welcoming us to the Ozone. Yep, definitely no Jamie Feeks and no Jamie Middlemiss in sight here. And he appears to be wearing an outfit made entirely out of the duct tape that John Cena put, uh, put Batista on the ring post with. <laughs> oh, God. Um, his first guest for this brand new segment is Rob Terry, 
who he unveils as a cardboard cutout. This gets big boos because it's dull as shit, not because it's heel heat. And then the real Rob Terry comes out and rips up the cardboard cutout. So it tells Orlando, who's cowering on the couch, don't make me come back. And then in a brilliant piece of wrestling logic, turns his back to Orlando Jordan to pose to the crowd long enough for Orlando to jump him and put him down. At one point, they randomly cut to Tanae and Taz at the desk looking very bemused. Um... I think it was when uh, when OJ was flirting with the cardboard cutout, but I couldn't tell if that was a deliberate production, if that was a deliberate production choice, or if it was just a fuck up, like someone pressed the wrong button. Either way, this segment I could have done without for sure. <laughs> yep, two very very terrible wrestlers, um, given some very very terrible creative. My prediction is it's going to turn out terrible. Yes, I would imagine so. (laughs) (laughs) From there, we go to our next match, which is the Monsters Ball, which I was looking forward to. AJ taking on Abyss. Did you hear David Penzer introducing this match? Oh, no, I didn't notice. I wish I had done, though. He, He says, this next match is Monsters Ball. Weapons are legal and encouraged. Oh, brilliant. Uh, speaking of which, AJ starts off with a trash can. Um, Abyss catches him in a beautiful overhead belly-to-belly from the ramp to inside the ring, which was quite cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> call back to their Destination X match there. Hits a big boot, and then AJ hits a Pele kick and a drop kick. Uh, Ric Flair comes out with Chelsea, who's got a big trench coat on, and he's saying, take the coat off, take the coat off. And Abyss tries to come to a rescue, but it's a distraction, and AJ uses a chair and a low blow. And then Springboard crossbodies Abyss into the thumbtacks he'd lay on the floor moments earlier for the 1-2-3 in a match that was way too short for what it was as we go out to a commercial break. Yeah, for, for me, this is pretty good overall. Um, it had a really good flow in between spots. I just wish it had a better finish. Um, this is easily the closest impacts could, uh, comes in ring to matching Brian versus Batista. Yeah, I just, it just bugged me that this this is a big gimmick match and I think there's a level of expectation when you put that on and they just didn't give them the time to do anything like it. Yeah, it's a very throwaway follow-up to no, what was a pretty big feud for TNA for several months, Styles and Abyss. I noticed as well if we have the ticker tape back up, plugging uh, house shows coming up. So on Friday, they're in Lake Charles, Los Angeles, and then they're in Houston, Texas, and Beaumont, Texas. There you go. All around the world, as AJ Styles so rightly put it. (laughs) Or two states in America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When we come back from the commercial, it's time for Desmond Wolfe taking on RVD for the TNA title. Desmond jumps early and then hits an arm breaker for a two. RVD hits one of his patented top rope kicks, uh, then a rolling thunder, and then pretty quickly hits a five-star for a three-count in another match that's just way too short. And talk about throwaway matches, you know. Wolf was announced in the ring. He got the jobber introduction, so (laughs) I thought, hmm, this doesn't bode well for him here. But, um... Yeah, the ticker tape was at it again here, and it revealed that Wolf, Jeff Hardy, and Ken Anderson were the top three vote-getters from the fan poll. Who uh, the and... fuck voted for Ken Anderson? 
<laughs> quite, quite. <laughs> it then confirms uh, Jeff against Anderson for sacrifice, and this made me laugh. It claimed, still to come, RVD defends his TNA title for the first time against Desmond Wolf while the match is going on. <laughs> and it didn't have long left either. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, oh god, we get better get this in. It's nearly going to be finished. <laughs> yeah, don't leave it on um, screen for long. You'll miss it. Yeah, uh, Van Damme's frog splash to finish was impressive, but yeah, like you say, they just got so little time, and like the the finish that they did would have been better if AJ and Abyss didn't do a similar spot in the previous match. It was such an afterthought, and. Uh, this is no way to debut this top 10 system that you got. You know, oh, congratulations, fans. You've contributed to naming a new number one contender. Oh, we're going to beat him in four minutes flat. Yay, but we care, though. Yeah, just so stupid. Exactly. After the match, AJ comes out and hits a phenomenal forearm and tells us he's going to be invoking his rematch clause at Sacrifice. Then we quickly shuffle back to the backstage area where Jeff Jarrett is lay on the floor laid out. Hogan asks who did it, and he tells us Sting laid him out as we go to our final commercial. Well, yeah, I couldn't tell who it was at first. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett's stock is certainly falling, isn't it? I know, yeah. So I was really happy after they came back from commercial that Tanae did in fact confirm it was Jarrett. Then Hogan comes out for the summit with Sting. Sting basically tells us that he wanted to help TNA, um, but he doesn't like the fact that Hogan's here. He was so heavily protected in the WWF and WCW and holds his bat up to Hogan a la the old WCW days. But before this can go anywhere, Hogan egging him on to do something, Jarrett comes out and nails Sting with a bat a couple of times before Hogan stops him killing him with it and we end the show on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, total anti-climax to me. That, that kind of sucked, if I'm honest. A um, couple of details that I liked. Hogan wearing an Abyss shirt. Oh, yeah, he was too, yes. Yeah, nice enough of him. And Sting still had blood on his hands from nailing Jarrett earlier on. Yes, that is also true. Some good points there. Mm. <coughs> but other than that, it's, again... TNA not delivering on something they build and advertise going into this show and like not having the time to make anything significant of it. Yeah, it just they probably just needed to do a little bit less on the show. Yeah, I think one thing I will say for this show is it sets up a fair few extra things for sacrifice. It confirms the TNA title match, which wasn't a given based off last week's uh, outing. Um, overall, I don't know. It was a little bit of a whimper. I thought it was better than last week. I loved the Jay Lethal stuff. I loved the initial brawl around it. I loved the character development for Matt Morgan again. Um, what else did we have? I love uh. Motor City Machine Guns getting put over big time by the band. Um, and I enjoyed the AJ Styles and Abyss match, even though, I like you, I wish it could have been longer. But it's so weird. It's, it's We've got two shows against each other that the in-ring stuff took such a back seat for me. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, the, this was not... These two shows were not there for the amazing wrestling and brilliant matches. Um, more character development and storylines, which I guess we're going to go into in a second. But yeah, Impact, I again, like I really enjoyed it. I, I realized going through it with you there that I was a lot more critical about the stuff in ring than I thought I had been watching the show. Because I, again, I watched Impact pretty quickly as well and really enjoyed it. It was in a couple of sittings because I had to watch that at the computer. But um, no, I really enjoyed that and thought it was a, a, a decent watch overall. Mm. So that leads us to the um, the most important part of the of the show here. We've got to go back and judge these two head to head and see who the winner is. Okie dokie. As usual, we've got the five categories to talk about. So the first one we're going to bring up today is a production value. And who do you think had the edge on this one, Dunk? Uh, Raw. By a mile, really. Um, there was a bunch of little errors from TNA, like when they cut the camera to TNA and Taz randomly. Uh, the ticker tape advertising a match upcoming while it was actually going on in the ring. Whereas you look at Raw and they insert the new draft picks into the opening titles. No big deal whatsoever. Yeah, Raw takes this one hands down. There's not really a whole lot to discuss. It's the usual slick Raw versus Impact with a few bugs. What about storyline advancement, though? Who do you think advanced their stories? Because it was actually a lot of storyline advancement across both shows. Who do you think did a better job at it? Um, it's weird. They're really two separate ends of the scale, really, although they both do something kind of similar in that one storyline got a whole heap of attention early on. So TNA, it was lethal getting the ring... Raw, it was who's going to decide the stipulation for Over the Limit. Um, other than that, Raw felt a little bit spare in places, whereas Impact, it felt like there was too much going on. Um, as much as I like the Miz and the Jericho stuff, I think I do have to give it for Impact. I, I guess there's if you throw a certain amount of shit at a wall, some of it's going to stick. And there was some decent stuff. And I thought they moved forward uh, the stuff of their pay-per-view pretty well. Yeah, I think Impact just... It sort of... It did move a lot of stories along. I mean, there's obviously uh, the Dudley's band, Beer Money, all that involved in the tag team scene, the the Machine Guns, as well as Matt Morgan and Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. So a lot of tag team storyline advancement. You've got the announcement of two title matches for the pay-per-view. Three title matches, sorry, for the pay-per-view, if you count uh, the women's, the X Division and the world title. Um, The advancement of Anderson and Jeff Hardy, or the the start of that, as well as the advancement of Anderson and the Pope, Hogan and Stings. There was a lot of storyline movement on Impact. Whether or not you liked it all is one thing, but I definitely think they had the edge there. Um, I also thought, um, to be honest, I thought Impact had the livelier crowd. Who did you think took the edge on that one? I um, I can't really remember anything spectacular from Raw, whereas uh, Impact, for, for the opening Brawl, they were really, really lively. Um, so I think I'm going to edge it to Impact as well. All right. And who do you think showcased the better selection of characters on the night? <clears throat> it's a tricky one. I think I'm going to go for Impact again here. Um there was some character work between Maurice and Eve, um, but like 
the way Raw highlighted Sheamus was just a little bit weird. Um, Edge's justification for his turn, while I, you know, agreed with some highlights of it, it, it was a little bit lacking for a main event segment. Um, Impact, just for sheer variety, had a better chance of winning, and I, I think it just about got there. I agree again, which takes us to our last one, which is match quality. And this is probably the toughest one of the bunch. Um, who do you think, out of what we saw, presented the better matches on the night? I'm going to go with a tie here, purely for the fact that they both only really had one worthwhile match. Uh, Raw was Brian and Batista. Impact was AJ and Abyss. Um, like... I, I was almost edging it towards impact here, but talking it through with you just now, it became clear to me that so much of impact's in rework got treat, treated as an afterthought, whereas Raw, um, their matches had a slightly bit more focus, but it just came off flat in execution. I um I actually agree with you on that one as well. I went with a tie on this one, um, which makes it a rare occasion where we've agreed on all five categories. Um, but I, yeah, yeah, I just thought like I enjoyed both these shows, but neither of them was for the great quality wrestling. So I went the tie on that one too. Um, but yeah, Impact takes the win overall with six wins, two Raws, two and two ties, which feels the right, like the right result to me. I found both shows were good, but I th- think Impact will be you know, long-term, a much more memorable show than Raw was. Yeah, I feel the same. I think um, Impact showed notable improvements from last week, whereas Raw just kind of dipped without the star power of both rosters at once. Absolutely. So, yeah, we go out with a bit of a whimper, unfortunately. Um, Impact puts on a good show, but it's already got its tail tucked between its legs, so we're not going to see any more competition. And I'm really, really sad this timeline's coming to an end because I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been really tremendous. I'm so glad that we got into this, Lee. Um, Yeah, like I said, it's brought back a whole bunch of memories. It's helped me reassess some of my initial misgivings and maybe some kind of Mandela effect that I've been having about the time about wrestling at the time, especially as far as WWE goes. I thought they would be like wiping the floor every single week and it really wasn't the case. No, and it's just really disappointing that like I guess when you when you jump into a battle like this, you've got to probably expect that it might take a while to get some traction and yeah, if that had just kept at it and built steadily, I do think they would have got the fans on board eventually and it would have become more of a battle, but just like a lot of things through TNA slash Impact's insistence, uh, existence even, it seems like they just rushed it and gave up too soon. Mm, I think habit is a hard thing to break. You have to bear in mind that when Nitro started going up against Monday Night Raw, Raw had only been a thing for two years, whereas impact going up against raw this time around raw had been on the air with zero competition for nine years now so you know that was destination viewing for wrestling fans on monday night much more so than raw was in 1995 i'd say oh absolutely and wcw was a superior brand to tna was at this time as well so 
there's um, a lot of different factors here that that are at play, but sadly they just didn't stick it out. And I guess even like this roster, a lot of the guys here that they had didn't stick it out either. And yet yeah, seemed not long for this world, a lot of this stuff. Mm, yeah, it's clearly a company in flux, trying to try lots of different things all at once, trying to balance what made it a, cer- a success in certain areas with a, a certain hardcore fans, but trying to do stuff that would attract more attention as well. And I think they just tried to please too many people too little of the time as opposed to keeping that hardcore happy. I agree completely. So that will wrap us up on this uh, little adventure we've been on, um, the final Raw versus Impact that we're going to do. Um, I guess this is a good time, uh, and now is as good time as ever, is to say... What are we going to do next? Well, we can't... Even though the timeline has finished off, we can't really leave it off here without having a little bit of a bookend. So, I had four ideas for what we could do to really kind of say goodbye to this timeline, uh, in a way. Um, I I think, as well, we should probably do, like, a a dedicated wrap-up episode where we go over, like, some of our favourite angles and things for some other time. Sounds good to me. Yeah. But um, I figured we should look at one last pair of shows head-to-head relevant to some of the stories that we've been discussing here. So when this episode gets released, you can head over to my podcast Twitter page at TNW Podcast, where I'll have a Twitter poll for you to vote for your favourite. And uh, I'll put the same up on our Facebook page as well. So search for Then Now Whatever on Facebook. And you can vote between four options as to how we can bookend this timeline. So option one, seeing as how we've only just hit upon Nature Boy Jay Lethal, and maybe we don't want to leave that, one obvious option is just do next month's pay-per-views. So Over the Limit 2010 versus Sacrifice 2010. Not a bad option. Option two, to see TNA's first opportunity to really build towards a major show or really have a proper storyline culmination in this Hogan era and have a look at Bound for Glory 2010 against Hell in a Cell 2010. So that's the infamous they're here misspelled by that fan sign. Ah, okay, there you go. Option three, fast forward one year on from that initial January 4th show. So have a look at Royal Rumble 2011 versus, Jesus, what would it have been? Genesis 2011? That's not a bad option either, actually. I'm always keen for a rumble. And fourth and final option... My preference, if I'm honest, because I've owned these DVDs for a while and I really want to get into it, but I've been holding off because I don't want to uh, kind of bias myself to going into this storyline. Have a look at what things were like for TNA before Hogan arrived. So in the two months between him being announced and him arriving, TNA had some of their best television and some of their best pay-per-views of all time in my book. So I suggest that we go back and look at Final Resolution 2009 up against TLC 2009. 
another interesting option. Some good pay-per-views there. So um, I will happily let everybody vote and whatever they come up with, I will be more than happy to go along with. Yeah, lots of options for you there. So it's going to be the pinned tweet on our Twitter page once the episode drops. So head on over to at TNW Podcast on Twitter and get voting or vote on Facebook if that's your preference instead. Perfect. Get voting, everybody. And I will be back with Duncan and we will let everyone... Well, I guess we'll do the show that everyone votes on. It'll, it'll be pretty cool. I'm happy either way, whichever way it goes. I'm excited. That will do it for us for this show. So for the final Raw and Impact for now, um, this is me signing off and saying thank you very much. Um, I've not got a... I've got, I've got a couple of shows coming up in the pipeline. Carl uh, and I need to record because I've watched King of the Ring 96 and the... I always get this the wrong way around. I think the Great American Bash 96. Yeah, Bash at the Beach is still to come. And I have got another solo episode coming up shortly as well before I head back into the 80s with Richie. So a few shows coming up over the next few weeks now that time's uh, opening back up. Um, you and Kyle dropped your SummerSlam app not too long ago. Have you guys got anything else in the pipeline, Duncan? We're looking to start a long-term project for the podcast coming up based on uh, things that we'd record and trade with each other on on VHS. Oh, cool. Um, So look for that coming up in the coming months. But as Lee mentioned, we actually had two SummerSlam episodes this year to celebrate SummerSlam season. We went back to SummerSlam 2002 because it was my favourite SummerSlam. And we look back at this year's SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2019, uh, mixing up the format a little bit, talking about having a conversation before the show started, talking about what we were excited for, and then comparing it to what we actually got. Very cool. Um, I love the idea of talking about stuff that you traded on VHS because I could definitely go into the well of memories on some of my VHS stuff. Just made me straight away the first thought that come into my head is I had someone in, I want to say in 2000, um, yeah, tape me an episode of SmackDown and bring it into school. Um, and I'm pretty certain it featured Road Dog and Triple H teaming up in the main event. I can't remember who against it. It had to have been Rock and somebody. But um, yeah, so I... Got lots of good VHS memories there, so I'd be very interested to hear what you guys come up with. It just brings a nostalgia flooding back. But that will do it for us today, so thank you all for listening as always. Be sure to go and check out Then Now Whatever on Twitter and give them a listen and a review. And let us know what you thought about this show and get voting on what we should do next. Thank you all, and thank you, Duncan. Cheers, everyone. Similar to the driller in Manila Honeys call me bigger, the condom filler Whether it's stiff tongue or stiff Biggie squeeze it to make fit Now check, I got the pack of rough riders In the back of the Pathfinder You know the epilogue by James Todd Smith, I get swift with the lyrical gift Hit you with the make your kidney shift Here we go, here we go But I'm not domino I got the phone flow to make your drawers drop slow So recognize the size in these Hawk and jeans I wear 13s, know what I mean? I around and hit you with the Hennessy Mess around and go blind, don't get to see The next batter, here to shatter Your blatter, it doesn't matter 
All I do is separate the game from the truth. Big bang boots from the Bronx to Bolivia. Getting physical like Olivia Newt. Tricks up my click all day with no trivia. So give me a one bag roll and a bag of weed. I'm guaranteed to until my nose bleed. Even if the new man's a certified Mac to get that H down in you. You want that old thing? I'm undressing them. What you heard? Who's the best in New York? I'm feeling better. 